Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Hello there. Hi. 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 My name is Rich. <laughs> this is Rich Wilgus. <laughs> this is John. You know me. John. Tallarico. You can see John. the spelling on the site. It is on the site. And welcome to another show of Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. Coming to you live from the, well, kind of live from the Fairfield Glassworks and Tape Dispensary right here in scenic New York State. Yes. Where, where we have real winter even now. Yeah, it was crazy. It was uh, 55 degrees when I left for work one day, and then I got home, and it was snowing and in the 20s. And the winds were just ridiculous. They were outrageous. We had gusts in the 60-mile-an-hour range. Trees <laughs> fell. Power lines fell. Cats and dogs living together. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. Lots of people are um, still don't have power. They're still recovering. Yeah, we lost power at work Friday at about 11 a.m. I guess at home it went out at about 10 a.m., and uh, was out for, well, work still could be out. I won't know till tomorrow, but uh, I think the power at home came out about nine hours later. And when I went to the movies Friday night, I won't say where, um, there was a gentleman there from up Trenton Falls Way, and his whole, like, the the wire that extends down the street on all the poles, like 300 feet of it was down on the oh, ground, geez. and the NIMO guy drove by. I guess that's still who services new york state with power night niagara mohawk i don't know national grid national oh that's right you used to work there <laughs> you're gonna have to edit that out <laughs> <laughs> and um the power guy the guy in the truck was like yeah we got to work on the main lines we'll get to you maybe monday so this guy had a generator though so he, he was loving life you know running it all day and just shutting it off right when cranking the heat up right and then turning it off for bed you know turning it off at night and then turning it on in the morning again yeah it was crazy because there was uh it was the kind of wind where stuff was going sideways it wasn't going up and down it's going sideways and then i left work and there was this house on the ground and there was little feet sticking out from underneath it and then this witch came in a bubble and <laughs> oh wait that wasn't work <laughs> the, um we were in a sales meeting actually at work and from where i was seated i could see outside i actually saw three trees fall in about Did a half you? hour yeah they were old you know that's i mean windstorms are sort of nature's way of pruning i mean it's it's a very natural process it's just when they fall on cars and power lines it's <laughs> not good yeah and there was i think someone um was in a car in new york and they got crushed yeah, it, I mean, it happens. These are powerful winds. I mean, on the way over here, I noticed the Indian Nation lost a couple of signs at a couple of their um, hotels up mm -hmm. the road, more towards like Route 31 there or whatever. Yep. The little sort of Econo Lodge place they have there. Yep. That sign was shattered. The glass was just all over the ground. There was a gaping hole in it. Yeah. But yeah, it's Mother Nature. Storms are cool, though, because they, they uh, keep you humble, make you realize that you're not so important. You're going to get blown away soon. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be out there when they certainly get uh, gustier than 60 miles an hour. That's no. that's bad. But anyway, winter has returned to New York. Probably not for long, though. I mean, it's probably not going to last very long. It's been a very mild winter by New York standards, as the snowboarder across the table can attest. 
too. Bummer, dude. Just totally bummer. <laughs> I'm not all broken up about it myself, but, you know, not having a snowboard, eh. Well, you wouldn't know what to do with one. <laughs> well, in this temperature, burning it might be an option if it's wood. What do they make those out of, anyway? <laughs> you wouldn't want to be burning those things. You'd be dying of fumes. There's all sorts of chemicals in the base. Oh, uh, Okay. So what intro junk do I have to mention really briefly here? Oh, I had a bad retail experience. Yeah, tell me about it. Slick. And it's not even like a gigantic, bad, oh my God, screaming, crying episode. But I went to that store that used to sell radios, radios like in the 40s, I guess in the 50s and 60s. They were sort they of like had a, a shack. Yeah, it's sort of yeah. a shack that used to sell radios. And they were sort of a ham radio shop. And there was a time when you could go there and buy loose electronics components and make things. But they sort of sell cell phones and computers now and nothing more. Yeah, and if you buy batteries from there, you still have to give your name and address. Well, I went to buy a battery. Ugh. My cycling computer on my trainer died, and I only use it for a clock, just the time, my sessions on the trainer, but mm -hmm. I need it. I need to know how. So I went and got the battery. It's one of the little circular watch-style ones. And the battery was like 349 plus tax or something. Fine. And I said to the, the gentleman behind the counter, do you have a, an extraction tool or a little screwdriver? And he said, well, no, if we put the battery in, it'll cost you five more dollars. And I said, well, if you just lend me the tool, I'll be happy to do it. And he said, no, I'll still have to charge you $5 for letting you use the tool. And I said, you know, that's highway robbery, don't you? And, that, you know, that's just ridiculous. And you should be beat about the head with a lead pipe. <laughs> I, okay, I didn't say left the last part. <laughs> and left for dead, drag the body in the road and deny everything. <laughs> no, I just said that it was highway robbery. And, of course, I got the dirty looks. And I'm sure they made fun of me after I left. But, you know, what's up with that? The battery costs three forty nine, and to lend me a little watch, you know, those little watch tools, the little screwdriver, they wanted to charge me five more dollars. They're out of their cotton-picking minds. Yeah. And you know what their slogan is, by the way? We do everything for you and charge you five dollars. No, no. It's, you've got questions, we've got blank stares. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've got a similar story now that you bring up the shack that sells radios. But it's, I'm not done. Oh, you're not I'm done? Not, oh, no, yeah, there is more. And there's this watch kiosk in the mall and um uh, actually it's i think it's the same name as one of the young female actresses whose name we're going to mention later uh her first name but it's the eh, watch company and um he was he invoked them right he, when i told them that highway you know five bucks was highway robbery to lend me their screwdriver he said well that watch company in the mall charges you 12 to put it in and i said that's funny the last time i bought a battery there they put it in my watch for free as long as i bought the battery from them so i mean their policy may have changed in the meantime i don't know and you want to know something but they didn't charge me 12 bucks and I, they were happy to put it in i had i had brought um one of my watches to get a, a new battery in the Hartford Shopping Center, in one of those independently owned jewelry stores. I think you know the name of the jewelry store over there. I love them. I, I bought a necklace there before my trip to South America, I think. And you know what? I brought it in, and they gave me the battery, and they replaced it for me, no charge. You and know that's why? the difference. You know why? Because they said, you know, it, it's a battery. He's probably going to come back next time and buy jewelry from us. Yeah. The battery's no big deal. Mm -hmm. Service is more important than the actual battery. Service is more important. There you go. Yeah. And that's really what it all boils down to. Well, I've got another story about this shack that sells radios. Really? Yeah. The the one thing that I can't stand is is poor customer service, as I, we yeah. all know. Well, and coming from a company that excels in giving good customer service, I, I don't know about your new place, I, but I'm sure it does, I too. I do part of that. And yeah, I, and I do, too. Yeah. And it drives me crazy when yep. I get bad customer service. So. I know exactly what I want when I go into those places. It's like mm -hmm. search and destroy. I know exactly what I'm going for. I ask for it. If they don't have it, I'm out of there because I don't have to 
spend a whole lot of time talking to those people. So I walk <laughs> just in. just want to get the hell just, out of there. That's right. I want to get in, get out. It's so a surgical I, strike. It's exactly. So I knew I needed to get a serial ATA cable for a new hard drive. I knew mm-hmm. exactly what I needed. It was a serial ATA power cable. Walk in. I said, do you have any serial ATA power cables? He goes, what's it for? I said, it's for a hard drive. It's for a serial ATA yeah, card. Right. I, mean, I said, it's for a hard drive. He goes, well, if you've got any uh, hard drive cables, they're over there. And he points over to the wall. And I look on the wall, and I don't see it. And I said, well, do you have any in a, in a catalog or something? Because I don't know where I could find one. And, and uh, he goes, well, what is that thing again? I said, it's a serial ATA power cable for a hard drive. He goes, no, the hard drive power cables are right over there. I said, no, the regular hard drive power cables are there, but not the serial ATA. He goes, well, what do you want to do that for? I said, because I have a serial ATA device and it needs power, period. <laughs> Hello. I mean, and, and about three or four years ago, I went to the same place and was telling them, I've got a device that needs AAA batteries. I mean, this isn't rocket science. I said, I need AAA batteries. Well, what kind of device is it? Who cares? The device says needs AAA batteries. The guy's trying to ask me these questions. He's like, well, you don't need those batteries. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I need what? AAA batteries. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a complete moron, but I know how to read AAA. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, so boy. bad customer service. And you know what? I want to put a link on our site because I read a, another horrible story about uh, this place that's mostly blue with a big giant yellow tag. And there was a horror story about someone going in there and being accosted when they're trying to leave with merchandise that they purchased. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what place I'm talking about. It's I not, do. It's not the place where you get things at a worst buy. It's better than that. It's a better buy? Even better. It's better than a better buy. That's right. It's more better buy? It's the mostest betterest. Yeah. And I have another look, uh, quick little vignette here. Okay. I don't know if I've mentioned this guy before. My friend Ken, I won't mention his last name. He's from like Anaheim Way. And he is a professional, lifelong audio engineer. He, he's hooked up, too. The company he works for now does corporate audio. What they tend to specialize in now is doing providing production for the auto trade shows. Oh, like you if, said corporate audio. I thought you meant that they, they have these giant speakers and they blast out, work harder, work harder. <laughs> it's, 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 there's pictures of the emperor and, right. and the video screens. And uh, Anyway, Sorry. yeah, he does... Uh, <laughs> You know, and if Nissan needs audio at their booth at the New York Auto Show, his company provides production for it. I mean, he, they do all kinds of things. I guess what I, my point is that they don't do a lot of hardcore music production. They specialize in different kinds of things. They don't do front of house for bands. But he's also been like the chief audio engineer for um, the Copacabana guy. Um, Desi Arnaz? No. <laughs> Sorry. No. Who's the guy I'm thinking of? I don't uh, know. Johnny Ola. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, at the Copa. Nikki two times. That guy, the famous guy. He was his production. Barry Manilow. Guy. Barry, yeah, he's been married, Barry Manilow's sound engineer, Burt Bacharach. This guy's really hooked up. He's really cool. His name's Ken. Hey, Ken. He's a listener, right? Hey, Ken. So he's on a plane, like last week, flying to or from Texas. And he's listening to our show. It's, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago. It's the one now where he, I, Now we know that he's insane listening to our show. On a plane. Probably when they tell them to turn off his de- electronic devices, too. Probably. I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. Wouldn't it be something if our show took a plane down? <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. I hate one. But anyway, so he's listening to our show, and it's the one where I reviewed the film Proof with uh, the, the what's-her-name and what's-his-name. Exactly. I Gwyneth, know Gwyneth and uh, Jake. Yeah. Jake? <laughs> Gyllenhaal. Right, and but the who's the guy I'm thinking of, Sir um, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, right? So he's he. So the film is playing on the plane, 
And he's listening to our podcast and looks up and goes, well, geez, that looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> that looks like it. So without even realizing it, we were reviewing the film Proof, and he was sort of inadvertently watching it, although not hearing their audio, but hearing ours. So that was the, the, the film on the plane while he was listening to our show. And it probably would have cost him five bucks to get the headphones to listen to that movie. I got them for free on my last two flights. They just gave them out. Well, you're probably... It was international. Yeah. That's why, I think. Ah, so, so that's a pleasant little small world coincidence. And he emailed me to tell me that story Friday or Saturday night, too, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. That's called synchronicity. Yes, it is. So we got a <laughs> tune. And it's not synchronicity. <laughs> no, we we wouldn't play that because we'd have to pay him royalties, although I like that record. Yeah, it's not bad. And uh, this one has a great name. This one, much like his other song, is called Track Number One. And it's from my friend John Hudson, and we're only calling it track number one because I don't have the real CD and don't know what the song is called yet. But in the future, we'll have that, and we'll update you on that. Anyway, check it out. Everybody's got a swing. Everybody's got a swing. He's spending money he don't tell. Driving fast and thinking slow. Angel by his side in a bright red dress. It might as well be nothing for all that it shows. Young girls tickle his fancy. I think you know what I mean. Cause every night his heart explodes as he stumbles onto the sea. Everybody's got a swing. Everybody's got a swing. Tall, tan, young, and lovely.
Great John Hudson. Reminds me of a Saturday Night Live skit where uh, Dan Aykroyd was playing an FM DJ. And after the song ended, he did that. He went, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of like what happened in Spinal Tap, too, after they played that classic uh, Cups and Cakes. Oh, I don't remember that. And the that. DJ went, oh, yeah, doesn't that feel good? <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing was Spinal Tap was actually in that city playing a gig that night. Oh, and after geez. the DJ said that, the DJ said, Later changing their name to Spinal Tap, currently residing in the Where Are They Now file. <laughs> That's good for your confidence. Oh, and they happen yeah. to be listening to it, right? It's so many weird pieces of synchronicity there. Talking about Spinal Tap, and, and then I was thinking about Best in Show, and then that brings up the Westminster Kennel Club. That show was just on, <clears throat> it just happened, right? Yeah, it just happened, and, and the winner of Best in Show was a colored bull terrier it was the um spuds McKen- mckenzie dog yeah, yeah it, i saw that on espn but it had like brown and white instead of just pure white yeah, it wasn't the pure spuds yeah, dog. football shaped looking head and i don't then, like the way that dog looks to be honest it's disturbing almost <laughs> <laughs> there are more disturbing dogs what's the one with the really you know um, wrinkly flesh you know it's it's got the way too much hay. skin for its body and it's like Ugh. yeah there's a lot of strange dogs and i saw this one dog that i think i would love to have except for they only live like four or five years it's the Irish Wolfhound. Have you seen mm, those things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're like the. I think they they're said gigantic. They're the it's largest the breed. Dogs, yeah. They said the largest breed in in the AKC. And this thing is it's literally like a small horse, but it's a cool looking, calm dog. They even say they're great with kids, but unfortunately, they have a short lifespan. We used to we played some songs by a band called Rattlebasket, and the mm-hmm. guitarist in that band is my friend Jake. He has relatives or something that used to breed Irish Wolfhounds or something like really? that. Really, he was telling me about it. I don't remember the whole story. I'll have to leave him an email and ask him. So what are we drinking today anyway? We're getting to the wine a little late, even though the bottle's almost gone. Um, I'm in my second glass of Toasted Head Cabernet Sauvignon. Napa Valley. Yeah. Their logo's great. It's got a, like a bear breathing fire or something. <laughs> yeah. That's probably not the bear that killed that guy. Probably not. But probably just as dangerous. Yeah. Cool logo. Yep. It's great logo. R.H. Phillips is the, I think, the vineyard. It's delicious. And it's an O2. Yeah, very good. And let's see. What do we got? You know, we had no show until my friend Todd emailed us, emailed me actually a link about something that he found interesting. Apparently, a woman or a family in Lombard, Illinois, which is near Chicago, is suing the McDonald's Corporation because their French fries contain wheat and dairy. And apparently, they're not labeling the foods or telling people that. And... I mean, this gets into a lot of things that drive me crazy. I'm not into suing. I'm not particularly litigious, or do I I think that that's always the answer. But what bothers me about this is not that I'm a celiac, because I wouldn't step foot in McDonald's and try their French fries, assuming that they would just be pure potato. Right. What a crazy thing to assume that would be, too. Out of your mind. What I'm into is Whole Foods, you know, and I'm into proper labeling, and it just bothers me that... 
I mean, I can't think of a game. You, you made a joke before. I said, what need is there for dairy in a French fry, John? And you said... To hold the wheat on it. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I mean, or in it, you know? Yeah. And, it, and this takes me back to a book I think I've mentioned before. It's called Fast Food Nation by a writer named Eric Schlosser. And this is a really hardcore look at how the fast food industry has affected the way foods are handled and processed in the United States. And all of the big fast food companies had a significant effect on the meat cutting industry and on the potato growing industry Mm -hmm. because the potato is the most consumed vegetable in the United States of America. And burgers are eaten every day. I mean, how many billions sold, bragged about on those little golden arch signs? Billions. And then you see that that one hamburger that was in the In-N-Out Burger posting that I put up there. There was at least a thousand burgers. There was a billion right there, I'm pretty sure. And, well, this book goes on and on and on about a variety of things. But, for example, it talks about the fact the food industry is relying heavily on artificial flavorings and colorings now. And these are foods that I generally choose not to put in my body. But years ago, for example, this Golden Arch company used to cook their French fries in pure beef fat. And their French fries apparently were delicious. And as a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, I'm sure back then they were still doing it. And then, of course, that whole cholesterol, heart association, you know, heart attack thing started coming into play. Mm -hmm. And they started cooking their fries in canola oil or something better. But it didn't have the flavor that it had when you were cooking them in pure beef fat, (laughs) as it wouldn't. So then they started flavoring the French fries with artificial beef flavoring. And that just gets into this whole thing. You know, I can't think of a good reason why I would want beef flavoring in my potatoes. I like the way potatoes taste. And as a celiac, I mean, I'm not, you know, angry or anything crazy about this, but I just don't see a need for there to be wheat and dairy flavorings in French fries. The wheat thing actually may have a different um, genesis. The the wheat thing in the French fries may be because some companies that, for example, sell frozen vegetables, they dust the vegetables with flour so they don't stick together as badly in the bag right. when they're frozen. So this might be an issue where McDonald's... Um, the people who do their manufacturing for them, you know, dust the fries with flour before freezing. That's actually not uncommon, but it would be just as easy to dust them with like rice flour or something, you know, and, and something corn that's starch. non-allergenic or cornstarch, which mm-hmm. is becoming uh, uh, the thickener of choice. Well, the other thing is I was thinking that they're probably using um, a little bit of dairy and wheat to coat the French fries so that they crisp up more. It's that whole thing where, you know, the Well, yeah, it might be like a, texture. a breading almost. Yeah. yep. But I don't know the answer to any of this. I don't know if they're just dusting them so they don't stick together or if they're breading them like with the dairy kind of thing like you say. This will require a little more research. We'll link to the article. The article didn't have that much in the way of details. But I just found it interesting. And since we didn't have a topic, I thought we could talk about it. (laughs) From dogs to french fries. And I think that any of you out there who are interested in nutrition and the foods you eat, This book, Fast Food Nation by Eric Schlosser, is something you should read. It goes into great detail about how the meat-cutting industry and the vegetable-growing industry, things like uh, potatoes in particular, were changed when these fast food companies, McDonald's in particular, got to be so ginormous. (laughs) The meat-cutting industry went from being a specialty with your Sam the Butcher kind of guys. You know, you knew your butcher, and he knew what he was doing. And he knew your maid. And he knew your maid. And it's become... Much like everything, it's become uh, an assembly line industry now where it's dangerous to work in these meat-cutting plants. And he goes in and and does an expose and an investigation in these plants. Apparently, you know, it's sort of like an assembly line meat-cutting process where the people don't know anything. They're just like randomly hacking with these razor-sharp knives. And apparently, it's dangerous to work 
because your neighbor can kill you. You know, they start hacking away at the meat and you're, they're on this line next to you. And more injuries are caused by the people next to you cutting you than you cutting yourself. Huh. And it's really it just sounds actually kind of disgusting. Another thing that I found interesting in this book was talking about genetic, uh, genetically modified foods. And uh, potatoes are, since they're one of the widest, 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 what's the word I want? Most widest. Most widely grown <laughs> crops in the, uh, in the U.S., especially f- corporate farms now that are feeding McDonald's. Um, there's a great deal of pesticides sprayed on the potatoes. I mean, the, the soil that they're growing these potatoes in looks more like moon regolith than it does rich clumpy, moist soil like organic farmers would grow in, you know, because there's no living organisms in the soil anymore. Of course there's not. They want to kill the bad ones, but in doing so, they kill the good ones too, right? Mm -hmm. And they they spray seven different pesticides or something like that. This one corporate farmer was attesting to this. He sprays like seven different pesticides, including one organophosphate that is just ridiculously toxic to the uh, human nervous system. And in fact, when he sprays this particular organophosphate, he won't let any of his employees on that field for three days. How can this be good if this is getting in our food supply? And the, the exclamation point on the on the end of this story was... When the person, probably Eric Schlosser, asked if he eats potatoes that he grows, and you know what his answer was? No, I have a patch of organic potatoes behind the house that I actually feed my family. And that, yeah. for me, pretty much says it all. And that that is a true story. So definitely check out this book, Fast Food Nation by Eric Schlosser. Good stuff. Do you have anything to contribute on the, the food issue? Yeah, eat good food. Food good. Bad food bad. <laughs> Fire! <laughs> no, and I just want to say I put a, a link up to um, a new food source. I don't know if Rich meant, uh, saw this or mentioned this before. It was uh, bare naked granola. I did see that. See that? Yeah, I saw it on this website, but I didn't actually click on the link yet because yeah, up all... until yesterday I didn't even know we had a website. So. <laughs> no, it, this is some good stuff, and again, it's all organic. And, and the ingredients list, you can understand it, and it's very short. Um, t- Short is good. <laughs> yes, and it, and it tastes very good, and it's good for you. And I'm I'm eating this stuff quite a bit these days. So you, yummy, sir, are a madman. <laughs> I want to party with you, cowboy. The time you took that cow, <laughs> and you and your friends tried to make it with the cow. I want to party with you, man. You and me together. Forget about it. <laughs> Name that film. <laughs> Stripes. Yep, that's it. So what do we got? Another tune? Yes, we do. From our old friends, Stout. Stout? Oh, stop. They're going to get angry. Now, Cormac loves us. Anyway, let's, let's check it out. Grand Canal 
scrawl your last words on some toilet door and as you go up in a shoe today I woke up with sticky hands and swollen glands and a blue dick and all the peelers banging on about the stain, the stain the awful stain the stain upon my soul and now I'm Friends in the band Stout. And as he said, the title of that was Oh Happy Day. Made me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about those guys is the uh, the lyrics generally don't match with the uh, the mode of the music, which is good. It's a nice juxtaposition. I like juxtapositions. That actually had a Beatles-ish kind of... It uh, did. Sergeant Pepper-y kind of feel to the music, you know? Yeah, and, and uh, it actually went really well with the, the lyrics, which were kind of trippy. Goes with the wine too, and it goes really well with the wine and the bear with the flaming flames. breath, <laughs> the flaming breath, the flaming bear wine. Toastedhead.com. Yeah, I'm actually. I can see the back of the label where the uh, the web URL is actually listed. So I saw a couple. Of, actually, I saw 
11 films within the last week. Technically 11 films. Technically, I saw 11 films. He did films. nothing but watch film. There's a, actually a documentary about a woman who goes and sees nothing but films in New York. It's called Cinemania. Have you seen that? <laughs> no. She literally just goes to all the indie theaters and watches three or four films a day, every day. And she can see a different film every day when you live in New York City. You know, there's all these little uh, off-the-beaten-path, you know theaters playing these these non-commercial films kind of like the films that travis bickle would go see he might go see those <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh at that that theater that won't sell me tickets to their concerts in the court series when i go to the movies to buy tickets actually ken said that to me he goes you know i think you saw this film at that theater that won't sell you <laughs> concert tickets he actually said that in the email and once again that email is bmortis at mwpai.org if you want to complain about them not selling concerts in the court tickets when you go to get movie tickets. Yeah. Be polite. Be polite. Or as Frank would Frank Booth would say in Blue Velvet, be polite. Anyway. <laughs> and he wasn't polite at all. <laughs> not one so bit. I saw a film that I think you got queued up to watch real soon, right? Because it's on my counter. It's actually here in the house. It's called Nine Lives. It's a film by Rodrigo Garcia, 2005, uh, rated R, 115 minutes. And this is a film that contains nine short films, each about 10 to 15 minutes long. And each film is simply a, a snippet of the people's lives for 10 or 15 minutes. And it's contiguous minutes. I mean, it's not like, you know, they show them at breakfast and then lunch and then dinner. It's actually just 10 real-time minutes of something significant or profound happening in these different characters' lives. And there is some overlap between characters. You occasionally see a character in one of the earlier films in one of the later mm-hmm. short films, but that char- each short film is about a single person. There are other characters in the film, but they are about a particular person and something significant that's happening to them in their life or that they are something significant that, that they are causing to happen in somebody else's life. Yeah, this is a, a technique that's that's become... It's it's almost becoming cliche these days because you're seeing it in like Crash. Um, I was thinking about that. Yeah. yeah, me and you and everyone we know, and and a lot well, of these films use the same technique where they have the interlapping or interlocking stories. This is different though because it's literally nine separate films. I mean, Tarantino sort of with Pulp Fiction sort of brought that whole bringing these separately told stories to a head where finally all the characters meet and it all makes sense. You know, Tarantino sort of did that with Pulp Fiction. But this is different. This is nine independent films. And the characters, even though you see them in it from a previous film and one of the later short films, they usually have very little impact on the story of the later film. They're just there. And I guess that's the best way to describe it. And another way, let me actually quote for you a sentence from the review. Actually, you might have heard of this guy. The review that they quoted um, when they handed out the review at the theater was by a guy named Roger Eber. Eber, 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 French guy. Eber. Roger Eber. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't didn't he used to work with a guy named Siskel? (laughs) (laughs) He did, and... uh, God rest his soul. Yes. I say God. Oh, my God. Uh, Roger Ebert. Anyway, what he says is, and let me see if I can find this. Um, he's talking about the films. He go, he And he mentions you can't, he's talking about the context of, there's not a market for short films. So what they've done is they created a film full of short films, much like the um, Glenn Gould film that you'll be watching soon. And this is like that as well. And he he points out that it's impossible to review this film just because there are so many different stories and each one is actually so involved and profound that each nine each of the nine films would require 
I'm holding up a piece of paper to the mic. Kind of like a review this long. It's that complex of a film. With wine stains on it. It is. There's grape wine stains on this, and they're never coming out. Um, what I do want to mention is that this is a fantastic film, and if you're going to see one film or in nine. the next few months... One film that's composed of nine. See this film. And I'm going to read for you some of the cast members. And there are some Academy Award winners in here and some pretty significant people. Amy Brenneman, Holly Hunter, Robin Wright Penn, Jason Isaacs, Joe Montaigne. Well, what's he doing after that whole football thing? I guess he's <laughs> acting. Uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton, uh, Sissy Spacek, right? She won an Academy Award for Coal Miner's Daughter. So far, they're all hacks. I'm, keep going. Aiden Quinn, Glenn Close. Hack. Dakota Fanning. She's just a child hack. <laughs> now you know what what's crazy about her i'll keep saying this until it gets you know, until it gets published on the front page of the new york times dakota fanning is an adult in a child's skin well and she's always playing those wise past her years young children almost eerily so and in this film she actually just plays a young sweet little child you know asking those innocent little questions trying to get away from aliens no okay um wonderful film very, very uh, powerful. You know, I, I can't say enough about this film, and I don't want to give it away only because John has it up on the counter and he's going to watch it soon. But again, as Roger Ebert pointed out, you really can't review this film. It's just amazingly powerful. I found some something interesting about this. Rodrigo Garcia, the, the director, is the son of famous Colombian novelist Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Oh, yeah. And I've come to know Gabriel Garcia Marquez through my friend Toby, who used to call the bulletin boards back in the mm-hmm. day uh, under the name of Franz Kafka or some other literary <laughs> type name. And there are several books. He's a, My friend Toby's a big fan of South American literature. So uh, the funny thing was when I was sitting with my friends from South America when they were in the United States in June, we were sitting at the table at my favorite cafe and my friend Toby walked in and my friends from South America were just blown away by the fact that Toby knew all these South American authors. Anyway, this Marquez, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, is, is quite famous. He's an award-winning uh, novelist. I think he won a Nobel Prize for literature. I mean, he's that amazing. Possibly. And I haven't actually read any of his stuff, and I'm going to borrow the English translations from my friend Toby. Well, he can only be a hack based on all the other people who are in the movie. Well, I'm not even talking about the director. I'm no, I know. About, right? I know. I'm just saying the director's probably a hack, and you know he probably gets that from his father. Yeah. That, well, there you go. He's, he's, he's talentless. Uh, really, check this film out. It's pretty remarkable. And I want to talk about a couple other films. This was the nine of the 11 films. That Do I have I saw, to plug my way. ears if I'm going to see these films too? No, I'm pretty sure you've seen these films. Okay. I made the joke last week about how that one song by Bill made me want to have sex with my girlfriend's mom. And for those of you who don't know it and still didn't get the reference... That's a reference to the film The Graduate because the music that we played by the band Bill reminded me very much of Simon and Garfunkel. Anyway, and end think, of story. I'm and not I think a I responded with plastics. Plastics. Yes, that's a good line. <laughs> and I think, you know what? I think um, there was a movie that just came out recently that was essentially a tie in to The Graduate. Mrs. Robinson. Wasn't that what it was called? No, I think, I can't remember the title, but it alluded to something in the family or something like that. But it was. Um, I think Jennifer Aniston was in it, and uh, what's that guy's name from Bull Durham? Oh, um, Dances with Wolves guy? Yeah, him. Him, yeah. Another I hack. can't think of his name. I'm not a big fan. But Kevin Costner. Costner, yeah. yeah. So anyways, and apparently this is one of those things where the the whole Mrs. Robinson story was based on a true story, and this family was the, the family that it, that it was based on. And this uh, this girl is just finding this thing out where, you know, the, the mother is Mrs. Robinson, that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. My friend Lisa was telling me about that, and it struck a, a, a bit of interest in me. Yeah, but the thing is, there was a, a review of that movie, and I think Roger Ebert, the same French guy, 
he um, he said, you know what? Today, if someone came up to you and said plastics, that's pretty good advice. Well, I think it was pretty pretty profound advice <laughs> yeah. given the time. I mean, so anyway, I was in the uh, grocery store and they have the little movie bin there where things are like eight ninety nine. Movies on sale, not even used films, new films that the theaters made, did a run on and they want to do them at a, a great price. Mm-hmm. And there was a graduate. So I had to buy it, right? After after making that joke and not having seen the film in 15 years, I had to buy it. So I bought the graduate and watched it uh, the other night. And um, yeah, for me, the best scene in that film is when Dustin Hoffman is with a scuba gear at the bottom of the pool <laughs> and he is so disconnected time. from the rest of the world. He just doesn't even want to be part of the, the the above ground world. Right, right. Yeah. The um I mean, I don't even know what to say about that film. It's just such a fantastic film. And and Hoffman does such a good job of being the naive like, "Oh my god, what have I gotten into? Just graduated from college, you know, youngster and it's 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 just an amazing performance. Did he win anything for that? Uh if he didn't, he should have. Definitely. I, I did some research on it. I was looking on the Internet Movie Database, and The Graduate was, of course, made in 1967. Hoffman was born in 37, so he was 30 playing a 21-year-old. Yeah, he had a baby face then, though. And Anne Bancroft. Here's the funny thing. She looked like a mature woman married to a man in, yep. in his 50s. Anne Bancroft was 36. Yep. I, she just looks so much more mature than that. You know, a little bit of makeup. Maybe they put some grain in her hair, but she was a young woman. I mean, she's younger than I am right now. Yeah. And she looked old. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, I don't know, but that's my age now. I'm actually kind of disturbed. <laughs> well, as you should be. Great film. I just, and of course, Norman Fell is in it, right? He plays the <laughs> landlord when he goes to live at Berkeley or wherever he goes to stalk, not really a stalk, but to uh, to observe uh, Elaine. And uh, Norman Fell, he's, he's an angry, mean guy who just kicks him out of the apartment, you know? Yeah, Norman Fell, the perennial landlord. <laughs> Mr. Roper, right? <laughs> And I got to thinking after that film, after I watched the film, I got to thinking about the waves that this affair would create. He comes back to his apartment and he finds Mr. Robinson in his apartment. And Mr. Robinson is very angry. You don't have respect for me. What did I ever do to you? How could you do this to me? But we all know from what Mrs. Robinson said is that they hadn't had a marriage in years. They had been sleeping in separate beds. The pregnancy was an accident. I mean, they had no marriage, but... What I would be curious to know, and I know this is fiction, but what I would be curious to know is Mr. Robinson was partners in a law firm, I think, with with Dustin Hoffman's dad, with Benjamin's dad. So there were probably repercussions there, you know, the splitting up of the firm or something. So I'd be curious to know what real waves. And, of course, she left her husband moments after she had been married, right? Well, check out this uh, check out this new film. It'll yeah. Probably answer some of those questions. I think I'm going to. And the other film that I saw, just to talk about another film very briefly, was because Nine Lives was pretty powerful and pretty intense, I needed some light viewing and once again i was at the uh, checkout line in the grocery and i noticed that the film the terminal was on you know for sale for like 8.99 or Is something that the um it's the spielberg film with tom hanks that I couldn't bring myself to watch. Well, it was reviewed very well, and it's a very lighthearted film, but it, it is. It's a lighthearted, sweet film. And, I mean, if you're looking for some lighter viewing and you don't want to see something as powerful as, as Nine Lives, uh, The Terminal's not a bad way to go. I mean, it's got Tom Hanks. His performance is great, and there's Stanley Tucci's in it. He, he does a great job as the, the sort of the immigration czar of the airport. I mean, I like all the characters or the, the actors, but... Catherine Zeta-Jones is in it, too. I, I just can't bring myself to watching Tom Hanks do an accent. 
Well, you know, in the first part of the film, he speaks very little because he's supposed to not know English yet. So. Yeah, but even that's a problem because, I mean, Tom Hanks is such a uh, larger-than-life character these days that I, I can't suspend disbelief. Well, I'm going to lend it to you <laughs> just so you can And I'm going to throw it out into the lawn. <laughs> well, please don't. But, you know, it, it reminded me a little bit of a Robin Williams film from the 80s called Moscow on the Hudson. You know, it, it, it had... Yeah, but he could pull that off. I think Tom Hanks can pull it off, too. But Robin Williams wasn't the larger-than-life character quite yet. Yes, he had been Mork and Mindy. Mm -hmm. He he was Mork. He wasn't Mindy. Yeah, he was on Mork. (laughs) He might have been Mindy. I don't know. I heard some rumors. But, you know, he wasn't the larger-than-life guy that Tom Hanks is. So we're looking at the the films at different points, trajectories in the actors' careers. Yeah, I guess. So it's not really a fair comparison. But because Hanks was playing a Slav, someone from some fictitious country from Eastern Europe, you know, he he did have the Slavic accent and a made-up... A made-up language, apparently, but it's really a sweet film, and it was—it it gave me what I needed because I—it was freezing cold last night. I didn't feel like going to the coffee shop and have to get into a cold car and drive home, so I just wanted to stay in and watch a film, and and that really uh, that that filled the need I needed last night in a in a <laughs> in a simple but sweet film with a, an actor that I like. Yeah, and and I watched the Olympics, and there's this is something I wanted to mention today. The US women got their asses kicked. They're not even in the medal round anymore in hockey. Remember we were talking about that. That was a disappointment yeah. because the the women were supposed to be in the gold medal round with Canada and as always. And and that's the thing that I'm seeing with this Olympics is a lot of the huge expectations that the media is throwing on the American athletes. They're being dashed because a lot of these guys just aren't living up to the the hype. Well, and it's not their fault. I mean, it's tough. You're on an international stage. It's you the Olympics. Are, the Olympics is is a lot more pressure than just. I guess, a regional event, even if the same competitors are there. And the American media can be so mercenary and brutal when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know, putting you on these high pedestals. And who was the guy, the speed skater, Dan... Dan Jansen, Dan Jansen or something, you know his his sister like died of leukemia the day he had to race in the Calgary Olympics. That's right. And he was supposed to be the next Eric Hyden, and they were they were pumping it up to be yeah, like this they, big Cinderella they story. Pumped it up, and then he tripped and fell yep. on the day that his sister. So of course, you know, the America expected a gold medal, and because mm-hmm. the media had proclaimed it in advance, because and, that would have been a perfect story, you know. Yeah, it would have been. He did well though in the next Olympics. What was it? Um, Lillehammer, Norway, yeah. or whatever. In he fact, won the medals he was supposed to win. Yeah. Yeah, and, and now he's a commentator for, for uh, the speed skating these days. And that's actually the story I wanted to talk about. There was this skater, uh, Shawnee Davis. The former inline skater? The, yeah, yeah, there's a, a, a couple of guys that are former inline skaters. Um, Chad Hendricks is the one guy, and, and Shawnee Davis is the other. Mm-hmm. Hendricks is this guy from Texas, you know, the typical poster boy, you know, great smile, great teeth. He looks like the <laughs> kind of guy who'd be on a Wheaties box next week. And, and he, he will be if he does well. And yeah, and he was supposed to win five gold medals. Yeah, he was the guy who was good in know? all the speed skating disciplines, yeah. like Hayden. Yeah, he was who su- did a crest commercial, by the way. <laughs> he probably did. And he was supposed to be, you know, matching Eric Hayden, all this hype, all this hype. And this is the first Olympics, and this is the only time that, or he 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 used to be an inline skater, and and uh, three years ago he wasn't even on ice skates, and now he's in the Olympics. Well, he won his first event, which is the five thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, great. He was off to a great start. And then this whole thing started with the Team Pursuit. Do you know what that's all about? Yeah, it's or, a new event, actually. Yeah, they've got these three skaters, and, it, and it's not like a relay where these guys are actually in line and they're drafting on each other, and, and the team has to cross, and the last guy in the team that crosses, that's the time that they get. Yeah, it's like the team time trial on bikes. Exactly. It's like the fifth guy across, they count his time. Exactly. So it's it's the weakest link issue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And Shawnee Davis is another great, he's actually the world record holder in, in one of the events. He's a skater who's not like the other skaters. He, it's an individual sport and he's out for himself and he wants to get the best time. And he decided to sit this one out because he wanted to focus on the event that he's good at, the best event. And, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, how he's selfish and how he's, he's causing the Americans to, to not have the best chance. Well, the, obviously the Americans didn't get the gold medal in that. Boo-hoo. So they're blaming it on Shawnee Davis. And the media is constantly railing on him, and he's just not answering any questions. Last night, I think he did the 1500, and he won the gold medal. And then they were cool. Went, and they went to interview him, and he basically said nothing to them, you know, which is not the typical Olympic medalist. You know, he's he said, are you happy? He goes, yep. <laughs> and and it, you got to see this. They're probably going to be replaying it all day. And, and then they're making it out to be this big thing. What's it like? Are you happy that you're the first African-American uh, Winter Olympic athlete? I'm pretty happy about that. Well, that's not true, that, though. That's all you... Well, yeah, the first gold medalist, I think, is what it is. That's for, not true either. In the last winters, there was a former inline skater, African-American speed skater, who won the 1,000 or 1,500. Um, well, they must have done their research. He must not have been, you know, enough. Uh, well, whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they... What they were, what, criteria they're using but they've been hyping up shawnee davis as the first gold medalist hmm. so anyways maybe they like, never heard of that jackie robinson i don't know jesse or jesse uh in the winter olympics oh, oh okay yes who was i thinking of jesse the great he was in Germany. jesse james yeah owens <laughs> yes. jesse james owens That's he builds right. motorcycles yeah so anyways the media is trying to make a story out of this. If it's if it's not the the first African American gold medalist in the Winter Olympics, it's the guy who's you know making the Americans not win all the gold medals that they could, and he's basically not playing their game. And you know, good for him. He's focusing on his game and he's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah, I hate that. Whole, I mean, most Americans think the media they hate the media anyway. So they're not. If the media tries to portray him as a bad guy, they're not going to buy it. I think Americans want to like their athletes, and I, I think they're going to understand. You know. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So I have not been following the Olympics. I mean, that bit I heard about the women's hockey team was just something on the radio on the way to work or something. I mean, I, I haven't really been paying attention. I'm but, out of the loop. But the thing that the other thing that sort of ticks me off about this is their insistence, the, the media's insistence on pointing out every time an African American wins something, saying you're the first African American to do this. Now, granted, this may be important, but they're making that out to be more important than the fact that this guy's a great athlete. He's been working hard, and he did his job, and he got a gold medal. It's like, come on, give me a break. The reason why we have a lot of these d divisions is because we're constantly focusing on the divisions. Yeah, I mean, we're a multicultural company. Uh, company. company. We're a multi... Well, that too. Yes. We're a multicultural country, and it's just get over it. Seriously. We're crying out loud. How about you know? the fact that... Why don't we just say... He's a gold medalist for the United States of a, in yeah. the fifteen hundred period, yeah. and he kicked, he rocked. I yeah. mean, that's that's all that matters. But I mean, I think one thing Americans we do have a certain mm, want or need to to win the most medals. You know, it's all this competitive crap that that I'm not into. Well, you look at ESPN you know? and they have the medal tracker, and they're constantly yeah. showing who's got the most medals. Yeah, and who's got the most gold? Who's got the most overall? So, what's yeah. more important? Who's got the most gold or who's got the most overall? I don't know. I don't care. I just want the best athlete to win, to tell you the truth. If he yeah. doesn't happen to be from the United States, that's fine, too. Yeah, the stories I like to see are like the Croatian skier who won the gold medal after she had so many knee surgeries, 
and her brother who won the silver medal. The fact that there's this family who's so good. I like to see those stories. I don't like to see the stories. The fact that the Jamaicans went out eight, 12 years ago and, and fielded a bobsled win. team. Right. They crashed every time, but they went out there with a team and they tried. And they tried. Or the guy, I remember this guy, his name was Eddie the Eagle. He was from yes. England and he was a ski jumper. And he he literally said, how can I get on the Olympic team? What event don't we have an athlete <laughs> right. for? And it was the ski jump. And out of like 50 athletes in the ski jump in that particular Olympics... He came in fiftieth, but it got him on the Tonight Show, and he had a great personality, yep. and it was just—it was just a cool story. And he had these Coke bottle glasses, and he could barely see, and you wonder how he even got down the hill. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Uh, there are so many small stories in and around the Olympics that are important, you know, and they don't involve hitting figure skaters on the knees with pipes or yeah. anything like that. And you know, you know what? And, and Apollo Anton Ono, the guy who was supposed to be winning all these short, short track, track events, yeah. he was great last time. He was great last time. And, you know, this time they were interviewing him. They're saying, you know, are you disappointed that you didn't win the gold? And he basically said, no, this is the Olympics. I'm so proud to be here. Well, plus you know? he broke up the Beatles. I mean, That's yeah. right. You know, him and the whole hashish thing. <laughs> Anyway, for a show with no topics, we've gone grossly over budget again. Suddenly we're at the 54th minute when we didn't even want to go anywhere near there on this show. Our last two shows are our longest shows in the history of the program. Truth be Actually, told, I told Rich today, I said, I'm not I'm not bringing up any topics because it usually ends up going over. And we did again. And, well, and it's your fault because you brought up the Olympics. I was happy just talking about the films. <laughs> Stop putting your topics on the board and we're okay. <laughs> you okay, mister? All right. Claxons. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening. That's if you've been able to not turn off your MP3 player for the duration of the show. That's what's good about this. You can turn us off and then turn us back on again. And if you have an iPod and you unplug your headphone, it just pauses automatically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, check us out on the web. It's www.bloodyveg.com. And send us cash. Yes. To feedback at bloodyveg.com. And support your local Olympian, a- including the girl from Saranac Lake, the loser. Lugist? Is she a loser? She crashed hard, and she's a local. Oh. She's from Saranac Lake. Uh, well, she I hope she's some, okay. We hope she's okay, too, and comes back and rocks. Anyway, do all the stuff we told you to do before, and remember, you're listening to V-I-B. 